Before we get started, there's something I'm really excited to share with you. It's no secret that we think diversifying your income is incredibly important. One way that we do it is by investing in rental properties. We've done a ton of research, interviewed experts, and invested over $100,000 of our own money in income-producing rental properties. I am proud to announce that we're launching Rental Properties for Passive Investors. It's a course on exactly how you can passively invest in rental properties. Like our podcast, it's incredibly actionable and details exactly how we've both purchased and managed our rental properties. It also includes a year of investable, the analysis tool we use to make sure the rental properties we purchase are actually profitable. Finding the deal is half the battle. You need to know your numbers to make a profitable investment. We're running a pre-sale for $100 off. Head over to listenmoneymatters.com slash REI to learn more. That's listenmoneymatters.com slash REI for $100 off rental properties for passive investors. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. Showing off is the fool's idea of glory. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you? I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be sincere. How are you? And what do you drink? What are you drinking? <laughs> Good. I uh, mm-hmm. I had two babies. Yes. Um, yes. Congratulations. That was. Thank you. It it has dominated my life, pretty hardcore. I bet. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a while since we've uh, actually. I mean, like, I mean, most. I mean, we record these in batches mostly, but mm-hmm. not to give too much of how the sausage is made. But yeah, you've been uh, you've been kind of having to deal with children yeah and we haven't really recorded in a long time you know i was calculating so um because we have twins and then it's like uh, we have to feed them every three hours Mm. and so i was like trying to calculate how many like asses i've wiped Mm -hmm. or like mouths i feed and fed and like in like five weeks i've already changed over 200 some odd diapers so not to say that i'm the premier diaper expert of new jersey sure but you know close okay well, I'm glad you uh, glad you're keeping track of this in a spreadsheet. Uh, your Obviously, shit, your shit, shit spreadsheet. <laughs> My I mean, shitty spreadsheet. So, okay. I mean, yeah, you got a lot going on, and it's the new year, and we're. Uh, I mean, this is the time of year where everyone's going to like start doing their financial shit, right? And we're going to get your shit on track. Is that what we're doing uh, today? Yeah, we're getting My everyone. Stuff. My personal shit. Yeah, I think we need to get your shit on track. Yeah, well, we got to get a spreadsheet first so we can track that <laughs> shit. <laughs> All right, I'm just drinking. A nitro light and sweet cream ale. Uh, uh-huh. My friend Alice gave it to me as like kind of a congratulation gift for the kids. Oh. Got two cans. Uh, I will probably burn them this month. Yeah, you mean go through them in into my mouth, burn them into my mouth. Yeah, so I'm traveling uh, back to New Jersey for a little bit, and I'll be up there, and uh, you have a gift waiting for me as well. But you don't have it yet. Ooh. So you Ooh, don't know. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, I am drinking my own beer. I, I um, then I have a little canning operation in my kitchen. So I am drinking uh, one of the first things that I put into cans, which is my Kolsch. Um, and you can see it there. It's like the it's like a Ooh. regular 16 ounce can with a black sticker on it and some magic marker. And yeah, that's going to be my my goal next year is to like try to brew every single week, get better at my craft. And by next beers. year, you mean this year, twenty? I mean this year. Not 20... to explain too much of how the sausage. Yes, made. but this year, twenty twenty. Welcome <laughs> to the fray. We're here. We're in it. Uh, I want to thank our very first brand new catchphrase of the year, 
goes to Kelly Odell via our Facebook group. It is a quote from Bruce Lee. Mm. Showing off is the fool's idea of glory. I love that. It's a great, it's a great quote from Bruce Lee. And thank you to Kelly for sending that in. What are we talking about today? We're talking about uh, where we are going to be putting our money in 2020. Oh, yeah. We rhyme. <laughs> and uh, that question has never been more important to us personally, especially, especially considering the direction the winds are blowing and our feelings with what is happening in the world today. God, don't make it like totally sound like you're reading. I'm not. That was something that was fresh off the dome. <laughs> Look, we, we have talked in the past about like recession this, what economists think that. Yep. Um, we have formulated our own opinions if you listen to the show. Yep. And so a lot of like what we do is based around our, our worldview. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the key pieces of the worldview is that we don't know really much of anything. Yeah. Um, and so, so, you know, based on broad feelings, we kind of want to see if we're moving roughly in the right direction. Yeah. So I wanted to share what I am doing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you are interested and want to share what you're doing. Okay. That sounds good. So, um, what's coloring our decisions in 2020? What do we, what do we, how, what are you thinking about? So, um, personally, yeah. I feel that you got babies. things. Are, well, <laughs> that's a, that's a big, that's a big factor. Yes, that okay. that is a big factor. That doesn't necessarily change my investing approach. Okay, that's interesting. Um, but uh, but things are getting expensive, and so what do you mean if by you that? Kinda, so if you look at like the PE index, uh, like the Schiller PE index, it's like uh, price to earnings ratio. It's mm, like okay. um, what people will pay for one dollar of earnings from a company. Um, where we were briefly at like i think the second highest point ever in the market now we're at like i guess the third highest but we're really close to an extremely expensive point um and you i you kind of like look at companies like i own apple and yeah since like 2009 to 2018 their pe was like between 12 and 15 which means you would pay 12 or 15 dollars for one earning dollar from apple okay and there was like consistent and now they're at like 23, Ooh, you know, okay. and Amazon, they're at like 77. So people are going to pay $77 for one, or, you know, why Uber do you think, does it? Yeah. But why do you think things are getting expensive? Like now is just because we've been in a, in a, you know, bullish market for so long. There's a ton of money swashing around, sloshing yeah. around in the system. Yeah. We actually have a great episode coming up that like, I, we're not recording today, but I planned based on stuff Ray Dalio has been talking about. Okay. Uh, governments are printing money and th- things are kind of crazy right now. Yeah. And so investors are chasing returns. Um, and I am not one to want to buy a Honda Civic for 30000 when I could buy it for 20000 Yeah. And I kind of feel that about a lot of stocks out there. So, so what, I feel... So, okay. So, so you think things are just, you know, basically investing is getting more expensive. Right. I, I'm, I'm hunting for deals. Yes. I, I want to, you know, I'm not going to say that I know Apple is going to go up or, or whatever, mm-hmm. but I think if you can buy something at a fair value, at least, you know, it's not going to crash hard. Right. You know? Yeah. You know, if, if say there was a house and all of the materials to build the house was worth $10,000 and you bought it for $10,000, that's like super fair, right? Okay. So what else, that's what one I, thing. Oh yeah. What else, do, what else is coloring your decisions this year? Um, Diversification. Uh, I've become 
more attuned to like the risk that I've taken on over the years. And uh, given my feelings of the market, I want to take actions that will perhaps reduce my downside or, or remove my concentration of money into specific areas like yeah. the stock market. Yes, because the stock market itself, while you can diversify within it, it's still the whole freaking stock market. It's just all stocks, right? Exactly. So if you own the Vanguard Total Stock Market Fund, it's super diversified, but you don't own any bonds. You know, right? But also, you don't own anything outside of that. Like they always say that the economy does not reflect. Like the the, the stock market is not a reflection of the economy, mm. right? And so, like when the stock market crashes, everyone's like, "Oh no, the economy!" And it's like, "No, that's actually not. They don't. They're not the same thing." And exactly. so, like, yeah, you want to you want to have investments outside of the stock market, which is a core concern of mine. Which I mean, you do have three still, still three rental properties, yes, right. Mm -hmm. Which you which is definitely outside of that. Um, what else are you looking at? You know, kind of quickly outside we, of we we will get to that. Okay, we'll get to it. Um, because I definitely am feeling kind of the same way. Although there's very little things that I want to get in investing wise, but we will talk about that. I guess. Um, is there anything else? So you're so you're mostly concerned about things are getting expensive. You want to diversify even more than you already are, mm. or have I perhaps discovered that we're maybe more concentrated than I thought we were? Of course. In, for example, the stock market. Yep. Which is at all time highs and super expensive. Mm -hmm. Um. We're so we're looking in areas that are perhaps less popular. Um. And then also just kind of investing in a way that like um again. I don't know what's going to happen. Yes. I don't know really anything. Yep. And so just splitting my chips up across yeah. a bunch of different bets, yeah. basically. Yeah. You put a little bit at this table. You bet a little bit over at this table, a little bit mm -hmm. of blackjack, a little bit of roulette. Eventually, you'll come out on the end, right? That's how, yeah. that how, that's how it works. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you don't go to the casino and just put all of your chips into one roulette table. You got to split those chips across multiple tables. I, t I take $5,000. <laughs> I put it all on seven. Yep. And uh, if it doesn't work, you know, the I just take $5,000 out again and put it all on stuff. Don't gamble. How about that? <laughs> right. Oh, I mean, you know what makes me really sad? Hmm. When I go home, I was, I was home in, uh, in, in Jersey, and I go to, like, the, the Wawa, and now Wawa has these, like, and if you're not familiar with Wawa, it's like a 7-Eleven, but only in, like, the tri-state area. And they have, they started installing a couple years ago scratch-off ticket machines, the vending machines. Oh, wow. And I just... So you like, don't even have now, to talk to a person to get them. Nope. Now when I go in there, I just see a bunch of people huddled at the machine just buying tickets and scratching them right then and there and then buying like more. Like on the side of the machine, they're like, scratching them? Like, yeah. Yes. I just... Wow. I. That's really sad. It's really sad. It's brilliant. Can I buy one and put it outside my apartment so people yeah, can just like huddle out there and... It's a, yeah. I mean, it's literally like a cash machine mm. if you own it, not if you... It's like the reverse of an ATM. People it's just a, deposit it's a, dollars. It's a reverse, it's a reverse <laughs> ATM. Yes. yes. Exactly. I swear is. people win this. Yes. Statistically, you know, one in 20 million. Yeah. So I'm going to avoid that in the new year, hmm. <laughs> which I was already avoiding. But what? All right. So is there anything else that you're kind of thinking about for 2020? Like, okay. So you want to diversify? You want to. I, I want to like harp on the expensiveness. A bit because, okay. you know, to, to predict what's going to happen in the market, if, if you've listened to the show in any stretch, um, you know that we're not uh, proponents of that. Um, but something that I'd kind of talked to you earlier, it was a different thing, 
but there's this concept of uh, the greater fool theory. Yeah. It's, it's an investing concept. Um, and it basically means that um, if you are buying things that are overvalued, especially if you perhaps know that they're overvalued, um, you're just literally buying them to sell them at a higher value in the future. So this could be like house flipping and what happened in 2008, um, like things that clearly are not what they should be, what, what you're paying for it. And the whole reason you do it is because you bought it at a high price and you're just hoping that there's going to be a bigger fool that's going to buy it from you like Later when you're on. done, you know, before like the hot potato music stops. Right. So you're so you're uh, all right. So, I mean, let me wrap my head around that for a second. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of what I'm looking for at, at, as far as home sales, somewhere where I want to live is I, I, you know, I'm not really a flipper of any type. I don't really see I'm not I'm not a real estate shopper. Like I'm not looking for deals in that area. I'm just not that, t- that type of person. I don't. I don't have education in that field. And mm-hmm. so like if I were to, but but let's say I'm like, okay, I want to buy um, a rental property and I go and buy like the most like turnkey, it's brand new condo in, you know, LA, whatever, like mm-hmm. some like ridiculously overpriced expensive area. And I'm like, great, I'm going to buy this thing because I do zero research on it. And I just buy the most expensive thing in the hopes that like I can flip it you know, maybe add a, a new backsplash, flip it, you know, six months later, a year later to, to somebody who will pay even more. Mm. So that, like, are you saying that just the idea of flipping it, which kind of implies short term and almost has you buying into this greater fool theory? Because if you take this property and you add little or no value to it and it's literally turnkey and you're hoping a few months you could sell it, yeah. you know. It's kind of ridiculous. So, the, so, so does the greater full theory also kind of coincide with this short term thinking? Is that what is that what you're kind of like implying there? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Right. And you know, it has to just do with not really looking into what maybe the intrinsic value of something, something is. Better. Okay. Um. Yeah, you're just looking for kind of quick wins, a, a flipping mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, do you think and, all flipping? You know, because we. I know we've talked about house flipping on the show a long time ago. I don't know if you talked about it more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you are not, I, I, you're not a proponent of it, right? You're just, you would never do house flipping. It's not the ultimate goal. I have bought a place and sold it for a profit, but also like lived in it and didn't buy it initially. We actually bought it. We're like, oh, we'll rent this in the future. And then we turned out, we, like, we hated it. the place. Yeah. You know, it was like a, whatever. I think, um, if you are, say, for example, like, I don't know, buying Tesla because you think, you know, the Cybertruck's going to the, the Cybertruck, you know, it's a short term thing. I'm going to buy or Bitcoin. I'm going to buy it now because oh, in yeah. two months it's going to be super high because it's the, all the hype. You're buying into the right, hype. Not because you be, you understand the technology yep. and you believe in the long term prospect. You're like, oh, soon you're going to be able to buy coffee with Bitcoin yeah. or, you know, you're just buying it to literally sell it at a higher price. Like you are perhaps in of the pool of fools, just hopefully not the last fool. Mm, right right and so so, yeah uh with this whole pe thing you know apple is trading at say like 20 a pe of 20 which means you pay 20 dollars for one dollar earning and the reason you do that is because you're like apple is going to grow it's going to make more money in the future Mm -hmm. right um you know and so maybe 20 makes sense maybe 30 makes sense but you know if say it was 500 that would mean you know they have to grow at an insane rate or with no growth, it would take you 500 years 
yeah, to right. earn your money back, right. which is ridiculous. Or to double it. What do you mean? Well, I mean, if they're earning, you're not losing that 500. You're not making that money back. You're, I mean, you did right, pay but, for it, but yeah, you're, you still own that stock. Yes. So it's um, worth double the amount. Right? Am I doing that math? Am I wrong? There? Well, okay. So if you pay five hundred dollars for one dollar in earnings, yes, it would take you five hundred months, years, whatever the increment is, to yes make to your the, money back. Right, right. And that so the I idea understood. is like, yes, if like everyone else believe it's going to go up, and then it goes to seven hundred, you could sell it. Yeah, to and a that sounds stupider that sounds, person. That sounds expensive. Right. And you could and get so, something that like is ten dollars, and it's not that much out of pocket, but yet you're still earning. Exactly. And so perhaps, you know, uh, the amount that people are paying for the earnings of these tech companies, mm -hmm. it's not that they're doing that much better now than they were in the future. People are just kind of piling on. And that's what it feels like. Is it, is it, do you think uh, the hype machine, the hype machine's real, right? Mm. Like, I'm sure, like, you know, I think, I think when, when Tesla announced their Cybertruck, I'm pretty sure their stock dropped. Yeah, because people saw it and they're like, ooh, no one's going to buy this. Right. And then everyone who was like, uh, I mean, I don't know if you believe that the Cybertruck was dope, which I definitely was. I mean, I was one of those people. Did you Were you one of those? Did we ever talk about this? We didn't. Did you, do you like the Cybertruck? I think it's cool. I would never own one. I would if never I knew own there was an either. apocalypse happening yeah, and I, I needed a, right. <laughs> a whatever proof vehicle to get me through the Badlands, I would buy the Cybertruck. I would. Yeah, I don't want to own one either. I think it's awesome. <laughs> I just think it's like, I think it's, I know it's divisive, but whatever. Mm. Um, and like, even like the Peloton ad when that came out, remember that? That was like, mm. you know, la last month when the Peloton ad came out, everyone was like calling it sexist. They lost 9% of their. Oh, team. wow. Yeah. And it's like, uh, okay, it's, Okay, one ad's not going to destroy a company. Like, give me a break. And interestingly, it has no bearing on the actual profit or money they make. It's just you know opinions of people. yeah of people. So it it you know I think the dummies leave right. The dummies are, you you cleared all the, cleared out all the suckers now, and so the price is cheaper. Buy more Peloton if you believe in the company. And speaking of like these situations, we talked way back when people were complaining about Tesla fires. They thought the batteries would explode, and they yeah. sold the stocks. So they were very dramatic. It was a great buying opportunity for yeah. someone who realized that they like statistically were being dramatic. What increases the price to earnings ratio and how do I look for that and avoid it? And how do I know like what a bad ratio is? So if you go to Google and you just mm -hmm. type in AAPL, which is okay. Apple. Should I do that? You want me to do that? Yeah, sure. Um, as of today, when we're recording this, uh -huh. um, there's like a whole bunch of numbers underneath the graph, and you'll see PE ratio on the left side. Uh, where where am I looking here? On in Google? Yeah, just Google AAPL. Oh, I did APPL. Not Bing. God. Oh, I was Bing. sorry. I was on Bing. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I, mean, I just double checked. Definitely not on Bing. Wait, what is that? I'm, I'm following it. Oh no. You, yeah, you would be, wouldn't you? Yeah, but, uh, but anyways, the PE anyway. ratios on the side says twenty two point four six. Yes, you know, and you can go, and then if you do AMZN, you'll see it's, uh, you know, another graph for Amazon. It's mm -hmm. seventy seven point four one. Okay, that's a lot higher. Yeah, it's a lot higher now. You know, but isn't that? But isn't that because I mean the stock is valued? I mean, it's like Apple's valued at two two hundred and sixty six dollars, and Amazon is at seventeen hundred dollars. 
Well, the price is arbitrary, uh, right? Because it's just a factor of how many shares are out Well, yes, there. of course, right. But what the P ratio says is that people are willing to, people are thinking that Amazon is going to grow at three times the rate of Apple. They're going to grow their earnings at three times the rate because their P ratio is three times greater. Um, and if that is true or greater or even more true, say it grows at four times, they're going to profit, hmm. right? And if it's not, they're going to lose money. And so as you get to these levels, like I think Amazon's going to grow it 1,000 times, you're getting to this point where it's like literally impossible. And so you need someone, a dummy, yeah. to you know buy it at a higher price or it's going down. Now, is this only um, available in individual stocks? And are you planning on you know buying individual stocks in 2020 or, or so, like what, so I am like, not buying individual stocks, okay. but with the Schiller PE index. So if you do S H I L E R PE uh -huh. ratio in Google, um, you'll see this cool site that just takes the market average PE ratio, uh -huh. which is right now at about 30. Uh -huh. Um, it's actually higher than Apple. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and it, it's just, uh, uh and, and it'll show you the, the median and average mm -hmm. they're like the mean, is about 16. So yep. this is for all time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The median is about like 15.76. So we're at like twice yeah, what twice. the historical. So mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's two times the average. Yeah. Which and, and, I believe and is do you high. believe that. I, mean, I know we talked about this on a past episode about like because investing in the stock market and index funds has gotten so incredibly easy mm. for people. Do you think that has anything to do with it? Like the like the stock market is actually just being more saturated with money because there's just more people to invest now because it's of of things like robo advisors and and you know Robinhood. Like literally, like it was it was kind of I mean like even ten years ago, if you wanted to buy stock in Apple, like the average person pr probably wouldn't even know how to do that. Mm. I didn't. I certainly didn't know how to do that. Like there wasn't like oh just go to Robinhood and type in a thing and add your credit card. Like you're done. So we're we're researching an episode that's going to come out a bit later this month. Yeah. Um. And I would say no, and and I would say no because the amount of money that like U.S. homes yeah. are investing in, in addition, really isn't that much in terms right. of like the total amount of money out there. They're just the money is in the market versus other places. All right. Well, what do you think then, real quick, is causing, um, this high is causing things to be expensive people are intoxicated with the past right. successes and mm. you know and th what these numbers say is that they believe that it's going to continue to happen in the future and like look regardless of what you feel politics wise if if a democrat comes into office the market will probably drop because no, if they're <laughs> proposing medicare for all you know that's not very favorable to business yeah. not to say that it is negative to the economy but like right. we said the stock market is not the economy yes. and so you know a lot of these bets are placed on things that are more feelings mm. um interesting so anyways, and this all, is just my speculation. I don't right. know anything. And all of this is just your argument for why you want to kind of, you know, things are expensive, so you're not going to be focusing a lot of, of your income in 2020 into the stock market specifically. Or you're going so to start to yeah, diversify a little bit to outside kinda of To kind like of like anchor this, whatever I have invested yeah. is staying invested because when course. I invest, I believed in it at that point, and it's kind of term. like a long, 
forever. Yep. And so new dollars, uh-huh. I want to not put into super expensive things. So I'm trying to find like deals elsewhere. All right. You want to talk about those deals elsewhere because we need yes. to take a break? All right. So after the break, we're going to explain the other two thirds of your plan. And or three thirds. We didn't talk about the first third. But All right. Well, let's go three thirds then. That's, I don't even know if that's a thing. Okay. So uh, we'll be right back. All right. Tell me about your uh, three thirds plan. What's, that? <laughs> What's the one we missed? So the, the first third, I'm putting into the, the golden butterfly. So of yes. the money, Laura and I have plans, uh, roughly what we expect to invest this year based on what we've done last year and our mm-hmm. expected earnings and blah, blah, blah. Um, we, we have been contributing about half of our money into the golden butterfly okay. in 2019. And the other and half is where? The other half has been into Fundrise. Okay, so REITs. Right. And so I'm going to kind of like break everything down. But right now, going forward in 2020, about a third um, is going to go into the Golden Butterfly. You know, it includes gold, commodities. Yes. We have a great episode. If you Google it, I believe we're number one in Google for Golden Butterfly. Um, hmm. And the reason that uh, I want to do this is, you know, I obviously think the stock market is an important piece of, you know, our portfolio. Right. Um, and it's highly liquid. If I wanted to sell my money that's you know invested in the piece of the golden butterfly and go buy a boat which i wouldn't you know whatever i could i could literally do it within a day yes and i need my money to be liquid to a degree yep so so that's one third okay you know and we'll, and we'll link to the golden butterfly in the show notes and yada 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 yep um the second third um which was the other half uh is going into fundrise yep um Without beating the horse to the bloody pulp, um, I really, really believe in their investment methodology. They tend to seek deals. They explain every every acquisition that they do. They explain in like murderous detail. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they they kind of just they're very uh, transparent, and the returns have been awesome so far. Um, yeah. I can get behind the things that they're investing. Um, their liquidity. Potential is like quarterly, so you could sell it f- up to four times a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so not like the stock market, but but also the investments are n- unlike you would get elsewhere. Right, not like investing in pure real estate, where things right. are not they're like, as easily liquid liquefied. Exactly, they're like these mid level deals. Like they're they're like ten million dollar deals on like a two hundred door apartment building that they'll renovate and. You know, and um, it's ownership focused. The stuff in Fundrise invest in, so I get quarterly dividends. Um, and, and I just I, yeah. So so uh, real quick, just to kind of recap in a way, because I may want to follow this. So for the Golden Butter- Butterfly, the the stock market uh, third of your invested uh, total investments, you're using M1 Finance in order to to achieve this Golden Butterfly split, which you cannot do with a lot of other uh, online. Like you could exactly. do with a robo advisor, unless you were like, unless you're talking big money, right? Because I think with with Betterment, you have to kind of have over a hundred grand total. Yeah, and and so the the reason uh, I think M one Finance is a really good tool for this is you create what is called a pie, mm-hmm. and then you put the funds in. And so if you go to the Golden Butterfly article, I kind of break down the components and their percentages. So you could just literally do in like two seconds. I mean, it's super easy. The, the golden butterfly proportional pie. Yeah. And then you invest into the pie yeah. and M1 finance will split your money up okay. where it needs to go. 
Um, if so, you if, automate it. Yeah. So the one the one troubling part about that is uh, M1 Finance goes away, just like we've seen a, a couple other ones go away uh, last year. Uh, there's the SIPC, um, and so your your money is covered. No, no, no. I, mean, I know your money's covered, but where? What's your what's your alternative to M1? Where would you, where would you uh, go? I could I could pick any broker and do it okay. manually. Yeah. It's just uh, I don't want to manage it. You know, I want to kind of like set the strategy, and so this is the only way I've seen to completely automate it. Okay, so it's a monthly withdrawal, yep. automated on the day I set, and it goes in, fixes drift and all this good stuff, and okay. I move on with my life. So then, um, with the REITs and Fundrise, um, mm-hmm. again, like Fundrise being like you just buy into their method methodology. Methodolo- I don't know what I'm saying. Methodology. Methodology. Thank you. Mm. Uh, and so you, so it's very easy for you to buy into something like that. You can buy REITs elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Probably in a more manual fashion. Um, so, so they're uh, cheaper than and generally more performant than than the other REITs. But what is cool about Fundrise is, like Betterment, you could just set a broad investment. Like I want to be balanced. I want to be long term. I want to be short term. And they'll kind of invest. They have like a bunch of mini REITs mm-hmm. under Fundrise, so they could do it like that. Or you could do more like I have done, where you say like, I would invest in a growth REIT. I want to invest in the heartland of the U.S., and then your investments will concentrate there. Right. Uh, if someone wanted to get started with Fundrise, what would be your strategy for like someone like me to start, you know, putting money into something like Fundrise? Well, I don't know if you're like teeing me up for this, but if you love us, you can go to listenmymatters.com slash toolbox. You could sign up there. But what I would do specifically, I was definitely not teeing you up for that. No, I know. Ugh. I just, I just took that. <laughs> what what I would do is, I, if I was you, I would put into Fundrise and I would put your money towards the long term growth uh, strategy, which is more equity focused. Uh, it takes longer to play out. Basically, they buy an apartment, they renovate it. You're not going to be earning dividends much in the beginning, but as you know, they kind of hit scale with you know whatever. Uh, it's, it's more income later. Okay. versus the debt investments, which are rather consistent. And, and how much does it cost for me to start in Fundrise? I believe the minimum is $500. $500. So $500, and then, you, and then, can I, and then once I in, it start with $500, do I, can I put in like 100 bucks a month, like a robo-advisor? Or like yeah. You, yeah, okay. And, and that's how I would do it. I think the initial investment is far less important than the consistency. Okay, all right. Don't do 5000 and then never again. Do, 100, do 500 then $100 a month forever. Okay, got you know. it. All right, cool. So then that's where the other third. So you have there, those. That's two thirds. Now your final third, which is which is new, right? This is mm-hmm. a this is a third that you have not invested in before, or maybe deciding to put a little bit more of your uh, income towards it. What is the third thing? So, uh, well, I mean, it's not like super new. Uh, Laura and I bought rental properties. Yeah. Um, being and, three, and you don't consider that as part of the third, right? The the the, the REIT third, right? No, I don't. And and okay. the reason is because uh I, I thought about it in terms of like liquidity. Yes. Um and I and there there're different deals you'd get into, but buying rental properties, I basically said like no liquidity or low. Like I yeah. buy a rental property, I'm intending to own that virtually forever. Yeah. Um and so we had bought three properties mm-hmm. and then uh we took like I don't know, like I think it was like a 2 to 3 year break. I mm-hmm. wasn't because well, it was so to- wasn't it so stressful that 
it was kind of like, I just need a break from the stress. It, it wasn't that it was like so stressful. It was, we, we, we have a specific type of deal that yeah. we're looking for. Um, and we just couldn't find it. We, we felt that it was too expensive or I wasn't willing to like, whereas Fundrise, you could put $500 in a rental property. You're going to put between like 10 and 30 in for the type of deals that I would do. And mm -hmm. so, I want a very specific type thing, and I'm not really willing to compromise. Mm. I was looking. I didn't see stuff. So I kind of gave up. Okay. Um, and uh, the tides are kind of turning. I have these like cool graphs that I think you see in the show notes because you see it now, but I'll, I'll include. Uh, the housing market is softening. Um, across the country, mm -hmm. specific, pretty much everywhere except for the northeast. Northeast is where it's like getting cheaper. Yeah. Um, mortgage rates are even lower than when I first started doing it. I actually couldn't imagine them being lower. Um, and I was like looking into uh, inflation and, and leverage. I, I thought this was like super interesting. So um, if you put twenty percent into a property, um. And let's just say that the property increases 3% every year. So yep. like roughly inflation. Um, because you're using the bank's money, mm -hmm. uh, you actually wind up getting, you're locking in a 15% cash on cash return because you're earning 3% with 80% of someone else's yeah. money. Yeah. And so, first of all, by far, they've been the most performant investment that we've had. Um, I mean, you know, best I returns, want, right? It's just yeah, it, but the liquidity is low, so I couldn't like liquidity is low, but ca but like you're getting paid often, like you're getting those dividends like constantly. So in in compared to Fundrise, which I really like, we're getting between two and three times uh, the the cash returns. Mm -hmm. So div Fundrise gives us dividends, mm -hmm. we're getting two to three times the cash returns with our rental properties, given the same amount of dollars. Yeah. And so, but obviously higher risk. High risk because you're putting in 10, 20 grand as opposed to 500 bucks and, right. and not liquid, basically like not liquid. Mm. So like you're out that 10, 20 grand if, if, uh, if you need it. Exactly. And so it was really these like uh, three factors, um, really like feeling the love with leverage and just the rates are so low. I, I know, just kind of feel I like know. I'd be a fool not to lock in take something advantage. now, right? Um, prices have gone down. They've been going down consistently for a few months yeah. aside from the East coast. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, just that. Oh, and, and also uh, I have this cool graph. Rents have been ticking up consistently across the board um, at a rather steady clip. Um, that makes sense. All right, so then you're going to get back into buying more rental properties. So we're looking to acquire like two to three this year. Mm -hmm. And as like a icing, because we're, we're doing this rental property course, I figured mm -hmm. I might as well go through the process again. Sure. Um, so that it's like super fresh, fresh. in my mind. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. I mean, how how much time does it take to do the 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 rental property stuff? Like... Because it is, it is kind of like a job, right? So I would say uh, per property, um, maybe Laura and I, and, and this is like 
going onto like Roofstock or whatever and like clicking through their site, probably uh, five, maybe eight hours of like hunting to find an individual property. Mm -hmm. And then really it's like a handful of emails up till closing, maybe some total of an hour and then, you know, closings an hour. So I'd say like, but then, I mean, but then managing it and, you know, just dealing with the taxes at the end of the year and all the, I I send less than one email a month on average for Mm -hmm. my properties. And I often, when they say like, Hey, the tenants late or whatever, my default reply is like, what do you think I should do? Yeah. And they tell me, and then I just kind of like, but what do you do when you're, when you have vacancies? So like, you you know, because you are still paying that mortgage, it's not like the, the house is just sitting there like you maybe you put down 10 or 20 grand as your down payment. And you're, if you're talking about 20 grand as your down payment, that's a hundred thousand dollar house. So, right? so this this goes into like our I, I think there's like a lot to say about the the model in terms of evaluating the properties and then yeah. like the structure you put in place so that you don't really have to think about that. So mm-hmm. all of the income goes into an account. We have we've we have a calculated minimum that we keep in the account. Um, it's five thousand dollars for yeah. uh, our properties because that's the deductible. Yeah. Um, and then any work or vacancy draws that down, which is fine because five thousand dollars in Georgia goes really really far. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I it, I don't really think about it. And then anything above five thousand, I just call into my personal accounts. Mm-hmm. So it's really about just like the killer team doing the work, uh, making sure that I have the financial buffer that I can make the correct decision, not yeah. like the shit I don't have money decision. Yeah, and then just letting it roll. Yeah. So so, um, how many more? You said how many more properties are you planning on getting next year? Hoping to get uh, two to three. Two to three. Okay. So um, if you're gonna get two to three, what are you planning on spending for those two to three? About sixty grand. I would say uh, up to seventy five thousand for the three total, and you have the cash to do that, mm. right? And and the way that I'm viewing it is that uh, we're contributing monthly into these three buckets. Mm-hmm. Like we have the cash, we could start acquiring properties now, but like every month, I'm mean, gonna be putting a third, third, third. Mm-hmm. But the third for the rental property piece will just sit until an acquisition happens. Got it. So uh, you buy the place, and then. Um you now you obviously already have a team in place you already have a system you already know what you're doing so for you the the cost of acquisition is is less because you know what to do now and and the work is less because they're just going into what i've already yeah and if you're going if you're gonna if you're trying to like you know you have a property management company that you deal with that you really like and if you're trying to get in that same region so that they could manage that property then you're you know obviously your your process doesn't change all that much but if you're somebody who is just getting started with this you know, like it's, it's a, it's quite a bit, it's quite a bit more work. And then, and then the question becomes like, well, you know, if you, if you're just starting out and let's say like in my case, uh, I put a, you know, if it's just me, you know, me, you know how much I make. Um, if I'm putting a third in the stock market, golden butterfly, I'm putting a third into REITs with Fundrise, and then Mm -hmm. I'm putting a third into a savings account. So until I have enough money to put the down payment in on a place, like, would you recommend that strategy for someone like me? So I I would. And the reason that I would, um, and this is even more acute, you knowing my personal situation. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I mean, 
I, I do think I'm good looking. Yeah, you are pretty cute. Yeah, you are. You are a cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, income needs to be diversified. It is literally the reason I started Listen Money Matters. Mm-hmm. It is the thing that has driven me to create other businesses. And I just need to not have everything in one, all my eggs in one basket. And so the tides of the internet come and go, whatever. Um, I need money earning me money that I could literally go and buy food with. Mm. Interesting. Because you would it's say- It's all great that, until it's gone, right? So in, the, the idea of diversifying income, right? As opposed to like, when you just think about diversifying investments, which is income, but like diversifying even where that comes from. Like, for example, you know, I make my money on the internet with one specific business, but that's that's all in one, that's all income from one thing. Right. I don't have, and like, and even, you know, part of my follow up to this, you know, kind of build you up to this is to be like, well, why wouldn't you, as somebody who's very interested in the same things that I'm interested in, just start another business, you know, and use that as your other income? And I mean, an internet business because that's what mm. you do for, that's what you do, and you're very good at so it now. But you know that we have three, I consider three businesses. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, most of our money. Well, I, I actually I was debating if I even included business investment in part of this. Uh-huh. And to be honest, at least half of my yearly investments are going into our businesses. You know, businesses earning money, kind of funding future. So it, so yes. But the the thing, yeah, yes, yeah, and nothing uh, returns greater than that. That's the best return. But the problem is they all require my time. Yeah, and I did not realize. I thought I was really golden with this stuff until babies happened (laughs) and I didn't have time and I realized Mm. how much they actually still require. Right. So I need to, um, put money into things. Like if I was incapacitated or I don't know, it just, all right. So here's, so here's what it looks like. It's like, well, I mean, look, I, I look, I am one of those people who is, if I became incapacitated, uh, I, my businesses would be fine. Mm. Um, or one of them would be. Uh, so I'm like, I've, and I've built, took me a long time to get there, but like, I literally don't work on one of my businesses anymore, but it's the same thing you did with the rental properties where you've like put these systems in place to where, you know, you're sort of like one email a month, but, uh, it's sort of like, you know, we talked about, um, this idea that like, and I don't know where the hell I came up with this or why I thought of this now. And if this even relates, but imagine like, you know, like investing in, you know, a Roth IRA and a brokerage account and a savings account and like, well, not even a savings account, but all these accounts in Betterment is like investing in an apartment complex. Yes, you own all the different units, but if the apartment complex burns down, you lose all those units. Whereas is instead investing in a development where you have individual houses all separated. If one house burns down, it doesn't burn down all the other houses. You know, and so like you, the way that you think about your houses in general is, you know, the stock market is a one house. Your business mm-hmm. is another house. REITs are a different house and literally houses are another house. Yeah. And, you know, uh, is there anything comes- else we're missing? Is there other things <laughs> we could be doing? Is there other houses we can buy? Uh, figuratively speaking. <laughs> not that I know of, you know, I mean, there's different types of businesses that are not dependent on the Internet. Right. Right. Um, so it would be like, you know, ice cream shop. Yep. Ice cream shop. Yep. <laughs> it's true. Different. Yeah. Different. There's different ways to get income. And then, and then in your case, like 
one of those is like the stock market almost i'd say zero times super liquid but low reward right mm. Re- and so many it is so accessible and so many people can go into that and as you right. kind of make it a little bit more difficult or mm-hmm. or even percep- perceived difficult because it used to just be less competition right and so you're going to get better value yeah and then reits are maybe a little bit of a barrier to entry still the kind of the same you know reward as uh it was, it was the same reward as like being in the stock market like you're not getting like you're not getting like tons of income but you're getting consistent income in a different industry right yeah okay you know fundrise not being on the open market which yeah you know is a positive and negative yeah you know negative to liquidity positive perhaps to exclusiveness right okay so the 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 con of so like the the, you know if we're going to go the pros and cons of everything which i want to do so just to kind of reiterate the pros of being in the stock market is anybody can do it it's it's low risk technically and Mm -hmm. uh it's you know also, you know, it's easy. Mm-hmm. The con is that the rewards are lower and and um it's it is one thing, right? But all of these are kind of one thing. The pros of being in a REIT is it's accessible. Um the cons are though that the rewards are the same as the stock market, plus it's not as liquid as the stock market. So specifically has, when it goes to fundrise. If you bought yes. a REIT on the open market, it Different. would be more liquid. Okay. Um, because if you're buying into the methodology of, of fundrise and that's just how they do things. Right. Right. Okay. The third thing being the rental properties is, um, and I just want to explain real quick, like a read on the open market, you know, like those storage companies with the red doors yes. and stuff like REITs own companies like that. Commercial real so, estate. Right. But you know, kind of like a business and it's not, I guess how I would necessarily view what I would want out of a REIT, which is why I've gone to. That's fair. But you're also mm-hmm. making like, you know, the same types of returns as you would be in the stock market with REITs, right? You're not like doing like double the amount that you would get in a it stock has, market. Not to say that this is what continues in the future, sure. but over the past four or five, whatever year, actually, I have it right here. Over the past one, two, three, four, five, after the past five years, it has outperformed the stock market. Okay. You know, not to say that that continues in the future. But, but how? By how much though? Because that's important. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, like a few a percentage, percentage points. points. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, so the so the the ri- the the con there is not as liquid, mm. really. Yes. Um. So then you have the rental property sector, uh, where you're actually buying rental properties. So the the pros there are the returns are very high, right? Mm. Uh, if you do everything right, because they right. can be shitty. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cons are it's expensive. You gotta, mm-hmm. I mean, you have to have capital. I shouldn't say it's expensive, but you you have to have capital to get into it. So you have to have a, a, a surplus of, of cash to, to buy. Um, you have to do your research. There's a lot, so that means there's more work, which I consider a con, right? There's more mm-hmm. like in, you know research and setup. And but you know what is also work? Work. Work is work, right? No, I'm not. I'm getting to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then. Uh, the other con is that it's like it, it's basically just not liquid, mm. right? And it's, it is liquid, but it but only if you sell, right? And it's, which is and hard in my to eyes, it, it in terms of the work level, yeah, vastly less than the businesses, that right? I so so, um, two cons, but b- greater returns, mm. and and one of those cons being time, which is I think is a, is the, like the most important asset any of us have, right? Mm. The fourth thing is is starting a business. Uh, the pros being that it has the most reward, 
again, sure. again, essentially, again, assuming everything goes, assuming you do the correct work and you do everything right, you do the research, the same as a rental property, but the returns are way greater on a business than it would be on a rental property because at least a business is scalable and a rental property really isn't, mm. right? The cons being that- um, Turn your hair gray really quickly. <laughs> yeah, the cons being time, really. Time mm. and and you know time being work in this uh, scenario. Um, and depending on the type of business you get in, it could be a very high risk in f- financial risk as well. Mm. Um, and obviously, you're you know with time, you're sacrificing other things like you know actually getting an, a, a job somewhere else where you can be making consistent income without all the stress. So I, I think that it kind of you're that's kind of the ladder there. It has like mm. a ladder effect, right? Where the first thing is being like the easiest, and then it kind of gets harder and harder as you go up, but the returns get greater and greater, right? Right. Um, and then just having each piece of the ladder mitigates the risk. So if one rung breaks, right. you have all the, you have your money in other baskets. Yeah. Is there rungs. anything else that like, because I mean, so for me in 2020, um, I have very low interest in real estate investing, not REITs, but personal, like, you know, buying a rental property only because I kind of, I think I have a little bit of PTSD from my, my first mm. place you didn't do any math or analysis or no whatever. it wasn't that wasn't the point either i wasn't buying it as a rental property i was buying it as a place that i was going to live <laughs> and i was at, at like the peak the, the storied at the yeah so it's story just, or again like i got a little burned and so i'm a little afraid what to i would go say to your for fire you again. is if you are so against it which you i'm know, not against give, it i know given i know it's I, like I, one of if not the biggest asset classes to invest in yes you know i would say you absolutely need to diversify your income yes you know, you specifically, maybe yep. even more than most people listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think it's important anyways, because uh, you want to be able to make the best decisions at all times. And if you're in this cash crunch or things happen, you may be forced to make decisions that are not great for the long term mm-hmm. to get you through the short term. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is during the great times, you put the pieces in place so that you could just kind of stay the course. Yeah. And so um, so I'm not really into that as like a money making, as like an income generation tool for myself. I, I still have my property in New Jersey. I plan to keep it for <laughs> till it burns down uh, because there's no sense in me selling it. Uh, I would just take a bath on it. And, and the stress right now is pretty mitigated because I have a property manager and things are okay. But, um, you know, that's kind of my plan for there. I, I am just... Um, there's something, and I talk about this constantly, there's something I've always wanted in life and I am going to get it um, because life is too fucking short as I've recently mm-hmm. learned. And so I think like there's just, I, I, you know, I like my businesses. I'm good at doing them. I, I want to continue investing my money there. I think it would be, I think it would be a good idea for me to invest in uh, the stock market, which I'm currently doing as well. I think it's important for me to maybe invest in reach just to diversify just even a tad bit in something mm-hmm. else. Um, but I still want a house and nothing's changed. The only difference that is, is now I'm like, I'm kind of where I, I do want to find the bargain. I do want to find the value. The, the home prices are low, but it doesn't mean I need to buy something brand new. And I think that I, I can provide a lot of value as a person to make something better than it was. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good plan. Hmm. And, and the re- really the only thing you're going to be changing is just the amounts that you're putting towards these areas, right? Because you're kind of already doing them. 
I'm basically cutting in rental properties again. I took a break. I was doing half golden, half Funrise, and now um, I I just need consistent income. I'm 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 done playing around. Okay. I want to replace my my life expenses with uh, something that I can count on. Okay. Maybe retain some of my non gray hairs in the future. It doesn't look that. It's, gray. it's the race to you know. <laughs> well, nothing has to be a race. Mm. Slow and steady wins the race, as they say. That's true. Well, no. I mean, there's something to say about having at least three brown hairs left. So it's the race to you know. Your hair's still brown. I know. <laughs> That's like me saying I'm getting gray. That's why I'm I have like, to start now. I have like one gray, like I have like one gray strand in my beard, and I'm mm. like. Doesn't bother me. Does it bother you? It actually doesn't. It's no, just a it's a joke. funny thing to say, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything else we missed or need to cover before we head out? We definitely yes. went a little long. Uh, just that when I am full gray, I will be a silver fox. Okay. And you heard it here uh, first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, hey, that's uh. Miguel now just... I think we touched upon everything. All right. Thank you. So if you missed anything, though. Uh, like you said earlier in the show, we will have everything in the show notes. You can either check your preferred podcast app or visit listenmoneymatters.com slash show. And please subscribe wherever you normally listen to podcasts. There's a new podcast app for the Mac. Have you have you used that at all? No. That, like So now they separated podcast out of iTunes, and now oh. it has its own podcasting app on the new Catalina. I think it's called Catalina. Ooh. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Um but anyway, whatever you use doesn't doesn't need to be Apple, obviously. Um, just subscribe wherever you normally listen to podcasts and tell your friends about us and point them to your favorite episodes so they will hopefully become a subscriber as well. And if you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to discuss on a future episode of this show, perhaps even about the one we just did, you can email us, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. As always, I'll say that again listenmoneymatters at gmail.com and all the tools and resources we normally mention on this show are available at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. That's it. Alright, later Andrew. Later dude. Please tell your friends about this show. <laughs>